Welcome to Podland, Podland sponsored by Buzzsprout, the easiest way to host, promote and track your podcast there at buzzsprout.com. Uh, it's Thursday, April 1st, 2021. I'm Matt Deegan from the British Podcast Awards here in the UK, and I'm replacing James, well, temporarily on Podland as he develops his new project, The Pod Clock, which is available on Apple Podcasts today. And I'm still here. I'm Sam Sethi, the editor of Sam Talks Technology, the managing director of a new radio station called River Radio here in the UK, and clearly certifiable for starting a radio station. Uh, and Podland's a weekly podcast where Sam and James, well, normally, delve into the week's podcasting news. Now, please get involved with this podcast. Send us a voice message to questions at podland.news, or you can tweet us at podlandnews. Now, this week's big stories, I'm really honoured to have Matt Deegan here with us. And if he does a good job, James, you're not coming back. <laughs> now, Matt, you're involved with the British Podcast Awards. You created them. The entries have closed for this year, but maybe you can tell us how they came about and then a little bit more about this year's awards. So I think like all good British inventions, this one started in the pub. Me and a colleague, Matt Hill, used to work on some podcasts and I'd appear on shows that he produced. Uh, and I think we were in, in the pub after one of those records one day and we were talking about awards and we were saying it's strange there isn't a sort of podcast awards in the UK. And I bet when there is one, some awful marketing company will run it and rip us all off. Uh, we'd already decided it was going to be rubbish before it had been invented. <laughs> and then after another few beers, I think we decided, actually, why don't we try and do something that represents the sector as we understand it? And both of us had been in podcasting right from the beginning. But we pushed off and, and decided that even if I had to stand on a chair in an all-bar one to read out the winners, that would be, wouldn't be a bad start. But actually, the thing that we were more concerned about was that people would think it was real, it was kosher, that it was decent. And so we spent quite a lot of time getting people in the sector to endorse it, to show that everyone was involved. But actually, there was never a problem. And what we stumbled into was that people were crying out for something that reflected the sector and rewarded the sector. And they really... What, you mean... People wanted recognition. Yes, crazy, isn't it? It's a, th a thing that, you, that we all know. And so it had a great start and it's grown ever since. So looking at the entries this year, we're up over 50% of what was entered last year has been entered this year, around 1,600 entries, which is phenomenal. We've got over 200 judges who are involved in the judging. So that's, that's suddenly a lot of audio to listen to. Generally for the awards, you enter 15 minutes of your best bits. And a huge amount of categories, fantastic involvement from podcasters recording in bedrooms and offices right through to massive broadcasters and tech companies. We try and make the awards a really big tent that's welcoming. We do outreach to uh, underrepresented groups. We try and put ourselves out there to explain the awards. It's very cheap for independents to enter, more normal pricing for corporates. And so, so all of that collectively is there to try and be representative of, of the UK and make it easy uh, for anybody to enter. And I think over the years, there's been lots of giant killing, lots of independents winning against big boys and a, a mm. quite broad selection of nominees for, for categories. And a lot of that comes from the judges. We work really hard to make sure the judges are representative of the whole country, both you know, geographically and demographically, and different types of people who can who can listen to something and maybe hear in it something that other people maybe wouldn't. And there's always multiple rounds of judging. So there's lots of people that listen to things. So all of that together, I think, makes it something one we're very, we're very proud of. And um, I think this year will be even bigger and better. 
So you, you say judges. So who are these judges? I was pitying you for a minute, thinking you had to listen to 1,600 <laughs> podcasts on your own. I was thinking by Christmas you might get the awards there. So there's two layers of judging. There's around one, which is we just want everything listened to a few times. And anybody can register to be one of those round one judges. You need a good ear and a sort of reason why you should judge. But that doesn't need, you don't need to be an audio professional. You could be an excellent keep fit instructor, gives you a bit of expertise. And the fact that multiple people listen to those skips across any issues that, that, you, that you might have and then what that does is it creates uh, a long list for each category of about 20 to 25 shows and then there's panels of three people who tend to be on the more professional audio end and senior people in the sector interesting folk from around the country there's a full list of, of all those people on the british podcast awards website and you can see their faces and, and see their names and then that second round picks the the gold silver and bronze winners and the and the nominees so it's quite an operation to get to that point and i'm very lucky we split our work me and matt hill who you both of us still run it and he looks after judging so i'm over the moon that he takes on <laughs> that role did i see a slippy shoulder when that decision came through who's that... going to run the judges oh, yes <laughs> absolutely absolutely uh, i think it's one of those things that i'm sure a lot of people who are listening have entered awards of some form in their sector or in podcasting and you always make lots of assumptions about how it's run or i bet it's a bit fixed or i bet they, i bet certain people do really well for a certain reason and when you actually run one of these things you realize it's so unwieldy if you able to do something like that you'd be some kind of miracle worker it's just impossible to have the time to ar arrange something nefarious uh, sorry is that a brown hassle. paper bag is that a brown paper bag behind you matt i see there in the uk at the moment if the post can work to deliver you that you'd be over the moon as well now when are the awards themselves going to be announced what's the plan is it going to be a physical award ceremony given covid or is it going to be a virtual or a hybrid the word of 2021 yeah the hybrid awards i don't want to tell you because it oh it's gone it, it, we haven't announced it yet and it's um, you just don't know it, no what, what the plan's pretty exciting the plan is that there will be something that's in person but it will also work in a hybrid fashion should you not want to attend no one's listening to this podcast <laughs> so that's going to be so the ceremony is going to be in july beginning of july and we'll announce the nominees towards the end of may excellent uh, and um if you want to definitely find out the date there's a great newsletter you can join at the british podcast awards website that will keep you updated with all british podcast awards things and you can follow us on twitter and all that stuff too okay we will do that now last week we interviewed don albright the chair of the podcast academy about the ambies are you a member of the Podcast Academy? I am, yes. So you spent $50 or whatever <laughs> it was that we all did. Yes, I think partly I think I did it for just professional spying, obviously, because I knew that awards was coming up. But also it's interesting, it's, I think they have an interesting challenge. Is it American? Is it international? What's their focus? Where are their members? Where are their awards entries? And what do they want to become? Because I think there's definitely room for something more collective in America. I think trying to do something international is going to be more of a challenge for them. They were talking about opening international chapters, and that would be one thing. I think James has already put his hand up for the Australian <laughs> chapter. Um, yes, uh, I think he wants his $50 back, so he wants <laughs> his value for money. The voting is now open for the Ambies. If you are a member of the Podcast Academy, you can vote. Uh, you can log in at the Podcast Academy's website, follow the prompts, and list your vote. 
Good. So lots of awards coming up. It must mean that COVID is coming away. That's the main thing I can take from this. Now, another story that came up in pod news this week was Spotify is to hold a new round of sound up programs, a global program that gives underrepresented podcasters the tools to boost their platforms and build their own shows. The website lists shows from previous sound up Almanai and the full details about where they're taking part. The first to announce is the Australia Sound Up program. Again, it feels like James is so much involved in these things, aimed at Indigenous or Torres Strait Islander podcasts. Now, when I need James to explain <laughs> what the hell that means, he goes and gets married. You've got until April the nineteenth to enter. Now, Matt, do you know anything more about these Sound yes. Up programs? So, so Sound Up's kind of been around in a few territories. It's definitely happened in the UK, it's happened in the US, and it might have happened in South America as well. It's a really good initiative by Spotify, and they work really hard to find individuals who need support to create new shows and have the and have the ideas are more important than having the production skill because what Sound Up will teach them is the production skill and how to put together shows. Uh, and I think it's important that podcasting is open to everyone. I think it's very easy to go, anyone correct can create a podcast, so why do you need to do anything like this? Actually, there's a big thing about representation. If you look at the top 100 on Apple Podcasts, there are a lot of white faces there. There's a lot of male faces there. And you're comfortable doing things when you see yourself reflected. So anything that can make a difference and to suggest to other people from a whole range of backgrounds that podcasting's for them is, is a good thing. And I think having someone like Spotify, one of their very talented audio, the podcast teams around the world are very talented audio producers. They've got good budget and good money to, to put on a, a good event and to get people to places and, and to do stuff. And then also to support those shows when they come out. If they've worked on something, obviously they've got that platform to promote it. And there's obviously other people that have done similar things. You know, Acast here in the UK have a scheme as well. And I think the more the merrier. No, I think it's great. The company has also launched Behind the Mic, a new apprenticeship program coming up later this year to support aspiring black podcast producers three apprentices will become permanent spotify employees as well sounds a series of the apprentice you're <laughs> fired may not be the thing you want to hear right yes. you're followed maybe that's the word we're looking for in fact just a, a little bit of note happy sixth anniversary to podcasting color so again you're right i think having a more diverse demographic of podcasts is always going to be healthy moving on still in spotify land it seems spotify has bought locker room now this is a story that i have very little knowledge about because i've never heard of locker room but it seems it's an ios only live sports audio app it's a bit like clubhouse and twitter spaces it will let anyone host audio conversations. It says it's going to rebrand under a new name and Gustav Sonderstrom, the chief R&D officer at Spotify, hints at integration with Anchor and Spotify podcasts. Any thoughts on Locker Room? So it's another one of those apps, as you said, a very sports orientated. Obviously, interesting, Spotify own the Ringer. So they have a sort of sports network inside their operation. I think it's always important to think about with Spotify. There's quite a lot going on there. And you've got shows which they've acquired, companies they've acquired. It's got exclusives that they pay for. Then they obviously have things like Megaphone, which fund shows. And so that they're across the whole sector. And they want to be in every single 
place where there's audio. I think it's always funny. Daniel Ek continues to rail against radio and there's someone with a radio background that always slightly irks me. And how radio's dead. And then he keeps launching radio-like products. So there was yes. this music and speech podcast thing. Now there's, and like, there was some comment he made about how on-demand destroys all linear. And it's, oh, you've just bought a business which is entirely based on linear. I think the answer of that is... If you're in the audio space, you want to have your fingers in all these pies and then see what happens. For some, for Clubhouse, which is still iOS only, it's still, James said, you've given LinkedIn a microphone because quite a lot of the stuff on there is how to be a, <laughs> you know, superstar business person and dreadful. I think at least Twitter spaces is both iOS and Android at the moment. So I don't think you can start a space. If you're on Android, you can do that if you're iOS. But also I hear that LinkedIn and Slack are developing their own versions of this as well. So it's just going to be overload. I think what's interesting about it is people get very excited that you know anybody can speak in these spaces. And that's the worst thing about them. The worst thing is that it's open to everybody because the, a lot of the comments, like any conference you've been to, a lot of conference comments from the floor can drag the topic off. It can be rambly. The great thing about production, bit podcast production or radio production is you've got skilled people who vet the callers or yes, that puts up a barrier to involvement, but also increases the quality. That, that's the trade-off. So I think where it is interesting is if you had a ringer show and you can have a live audience for that and you might have a few guests in it. It's a new platform to do that. But that's not like it's not super new to have a, a live stream uh, of sorts. So I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. I think in the end, it will end up being like and I, I wrote about this in my newsletter i think it will be a sort of professionalized more event space all of these things so pop-up panels and pop-up discussions but it will be pro-driven this sort of democratization of live audio i think is maybe not not going to be the thing about them i think people are very excited about being able to get onto clubhouse start a room and become a radio presenter mm. in their minds i dipped into it for about five minutes again last night i was taking my daughter to netball and i'm going through all my podcasts so i've done that let's go and see if anyone's on clubhouse and i've got this guy literally the first three words were if you want to know how to do this come <laughs> to my agency and i just literally had to leave i think the the, the interesting bit about them is if if there's a social graph so like something like twitter you follow a load of people you, you log in and it will show who of the people you follow or maybe vice versa who follow you currently doing something and that, i think that's pretty powerful so you go oh a person i like is in the thing i'll jump into that and so it gives a good route in and you know, Twitter has a good social graph. LinkedIn has a good social graph. Slack is a very personal social graph. It's your work colleagues or people you work with on projects. And then Spotify historically did have that in that you followed people and you saw their music playlists and recommendations and things. Though the more recent version, that's not functionality that's particularly flagged up. Podcasts, maybe that's a version of the social graph. And again, back to the podcast they own. So there's some of that. But I think it, it's much... Um, um, less prevalent on Spotify than it is on the other places. So what's that entry route? If it requires you to like flip, flip open the app and then go, oh, what's on? That's a different experience than Twitter, which might alert you to something it already knows that you're more, maybe more likely to click on. Do you have a preference? I mean, are you using Twitter Spaces right now? I'm a big Twitter user. And so Spaces, I'm sure, become my default place to go. We did a clubhouse for the British Podcast Awards on how to enter. 
And it was great, and it was interesting, and it was quite a good bunch of people who were on it. But it annoyed me. It did annoy me that a lot of Android folk couldn't be on it. I mean, Android, they'll, they'll launch that app. But I sort of think Clubhouse, it's very tech bro, iOS-driven. I, I find that quite a exclusive environment, and that can work as a way to grow interest and you make a kind of cool thing, and then more people pile on. I think some of it has a bit of a slightly whiffy flavour. So you don't think Mark Cuban's Fireside's got any hope then? I think anything's hard. If you don't have a social graph, it's hard. Any, even if you're Mark Cuban, it's hard to establish a product, and especially when there's so much competition. And also you've got to remember, the other thing with, with these apps is the vast majority of people are consumers of content, not producers of content. Uh, and so they've got to be environments where like the listening experience is a positive one rather than just anybody can barge in and, and create some content, a lot of which is suboptimal. Now, you said you're a big fan of Twitter. Do you use their newsletter that they recently acquired for your newsletter? No, I don't. I'm really fascinated about Twitter's sort of membership payment stuff that's coming. And they had an analyst day a, a couple of weeks ago where, where they revealed some of this. I'm on Substack just because it, it's relatively easy to use. But what Twitter are doing is they've acquired a review, which is a, a newsletter company. And they've also talked about super follows. And basically, you can turn your your being on Twitter into a subscription platform. This is where they're going. So I'm at Matt on Twitter. So I could say, hey, you can become a super follower for a fiver a month. And some of my tweets will be exclusive. And maybe my newsletter is exclusive or some of the editions are exclusive. Maybe my Twitter spaces are exclusive or some of them are. And so you offer a premium version for fans. You know, maybe it's only fans for non-porn stuff. And that's sort of on the way. And I think that's really fascinating. You know, there's lots mm. of obviously, social influencers or celebrities that would like a frictionless way to monetize their audience. And what we've seen in Substack, a lot of people have opted out of traditional media and they've got an audience normally built on Twitter that has helped them grow to five, 10, you know, 20 grand a, a month of, of revenues where suddenly they don't need to have a, a publisher or be part of a newspaper or magazine. And I think the Twitter product is going to be really powerful. And for podcasters, that's interesting too. The spaces are there are other audio exclusives with Patreon. You can have obviously RSS feeds that have kind of subscription RSS feeds. Acast this week have announced a, a subscription thing. So I think we're definitely going to a route where paying creators or environments where creators can be paid directly exist. And you want something that's frictionless to do that it makes it very easy. The sort of in-app purchase equivalent of becoming a, a subscriber. And I think Twitter's in a, in a very good place to to make that successful. However, Twitter have a massive history of launching products incredibly badly and then abandoning them. You've got to remember that Vine was TikTok before it was TikTok and then they abandoned it. Periscope was a great streaming platform, which they then shuttered as well. So uh, they have it within their grasp and they mess it up. So we'll see whether they also fix that problem. It seems that iOS 14.5 beta this week has connected to the iCloud, which is setting up for subscriptions. Uh, I wonder, again, just talking on subscriptions, because everyone in the industry knows that's where it's going, Spotify, Apple. It seems to me that Apple, with Apple Pay and, and, and all of the functionality there, seems to have the least friction mm. for going to that model. Again, we're all used to paying our 79p for an app or whatever it was. So they've got a history of doing this. Whereas how do you see Spotify doing subscription, even Twitter? Because neither from memory seems to mm. have a, 
a micro payment system. They have a macro payment system in Spotify. Obviously, you pay your subscription. How do you see it going? I think the, the problem is we're heading for a massive subscription podcast mess. Lots of rumors about Apple launching a service. And I would assume if I was Spotify's product team and I saw that coming to put a sort of one slide mention of that in what they, they talked about about a month ago is very easy. How developed that product is, who really knows? But if I was Spotify, I'd want to match what's coming with Apple. The big question is, what is coming with Apple? Is there anything coming? Is it going to be Spotify suggested, a thing where you can pay $3.99 a month or $7.99 a month or, or whatever it is to subscribe to a show? Is it going to be more akin to Apple Plus or Apple TV Plus? So like, will you pay like a tenner a month for Apple Podcast Plus, which will get you access to a load of premium content. I was going a bit cold on that as an idea because that seemed quite a poor idea. Then I was having a look into how they run the Apple Arcade. And I'm not a big gamer, so I hadn't really spent a lot of time in the Apple Arcade. So in the Apple Arcade, that has a monthly subscription. And then they sign deals with game developers. Uh, and there might be some upfront payments for some. And then you get money based on the time spent in the game. So if you're an Apple arcade subscriber and only play explosive space seven then they'll get most of your money and i was like actually could that be their podcast thing as well now again they opened that's a lot of admin for apple to manage and who's on that system and and how's the money distributed so that's complex but then if it's on the hey pay me 7.99 have i as a podcaster does that mean i've got two setups i've got my apple podcast setup and i've got my spotify setup and probably one's better for me with fees and you can also probably follow me on patreon and my uploads i have to probably go into apple podcast to do one and i probably have to go into anchor to do that it's all it's going to be a massive car crash of a mess and what you'd like both those companies to do is go, you know what, we're interested in podcasters and helping them be successful. So maybe we should work alongside our evil competitors and create somewhere that benefits them rather than forces them to work within our walled gardens. Sorry, this is April the 1st. That is never going to happen. Sorry, Matt. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I've got a huge amount of respect for all the companies and and we've worked with a lot of the people that work there. But their podcast success is built on the backs of podcast creators. And whether that's changing the categories or introducing subscription or anchor-only products, a lot of these people are making it harder for podcasts to do their job rather than easier. And it would be nice if they maybe paused their development plans slightly and thought about what would be good for the sector and for creators rather than what drives daily active users and time spent in app. Outside in marketing rather than inside out. Hmm. So um, I'm just going to get off my soapbox now. So No, that's fine. Please stay on it. It's wonderful. Now, the other thing I was just thinking about was, I wonder if Jack Dorsey might consider using Square as the payment mechanism <laughs> for Twitter. Does he have any involvement in that, I wonder? And the other thing that we talked about last week was that Apple Podcasts had gone through the two million barrier of shows. That's pretty amazing. It doesn't seem to be any slowdown in podcasting it seems to be increasing any thoughts on why 
haven't people got bored of podcasts and can't you and I just get our podcasts out there and let all the people who did their ones and twosies go away now, please? <laughs> people don't get bored of making books and they're not going to get bored of making podcasts either. Okay. Uh, I think also, you know, lockdown, a lot of people started a podcast in lockdown. Uh, they had more time on their hands. Uh, services like Squadcast that, that we're using today, Zoom, other things have made this all, all much easier. We've seen in the Podcast Awards, uh, we have our best new podcast category, which has been super oversubscribed this year because there's lots of new shows. I thought what was interesting, I looked at some of the data and like active shows, so shows that had an episode in the last six months was pretty high, was kind of three quarters of a million. I was surprised and that probably leans into the fact there's been a lot of shows in the last 12 months, but there's probably less pod fade than than you'd expect. But there's a lot of shows with sub 100 listeners as well. There's a lot of people that, that do it for themselves rather than obviously big audiences. Okay, our friends at the Podcast Index, Adam Curry and Dave Jones, the Podcast Index has also now listed over 2 million podcasts it doesn't automatically pull new shows from the Apple Podcasts, so it seems to have overtaken the numbers there as well. It looks like people are registering on both directories, both the Apple and the Podcast Index. Obviously, it's great your distribution. We're very fortunate that Apple provides a, a free sort of API to get into some of their data, but that might disappear one day. We, we don't know. So having something like the Podcast Index, which lists as many shows as it can uh, and it seems to be doing well, is, a, is definitely a, a good thing and a little bit of a sort of protection probably for the sector. And I know that lots of podcast apps use the apple podcast directory and they'd obviously be massively affected if suddenly that disappeared one day i saw that james in pod news had mentioned that the ramsey show has achieved one billion downloads mm. um, and you lots of announcements like this we've hit a million or we've hit, hit whatever a billion that that's pretty <laughs> impressive hat tip to that man I had, I had a brief look at his feed and one of the reasons i think he does so well is he produces three episodes a day Holy moly. And I think it's... It, it How long are those episodes, though? They're five minutes. That's That doesn't count, then, so does it? I, I think they're hour-long episodes. 40-minute episodes, should have a quick look. So 40-minute okay. episodes. And I think it's basically three one-hours that he's divided up into three episodes. So it's perhaps... Maybe not a great surprise that he's managed to to accelerate the downloads, but still, even with three a day, a billion's impressive. And I think it was a radio show before. It's been around in podcasting a long time. I think podcasts been going for 15 years. So you can build up that steam. But a billion, a billion's impressive. I went on to Himalaya just to check, which is the Chinese host. And I'm afraid he doesn't quite get to the top of their summit. I think it's 7 billion is the top download there. And it's the daily prayer. So he's got no chance of beating that one. That's the market um, to get into. Yes, that is. Now, the talking of subscriptions, as we were briefly, and the market moving, one of the things that the podcast index is looking to do is to use bitcoins. They've got a tag called the podcast value tag. This is an extension to the RSS feed that they've been working on with podcast 2.0. James has kindly submitted Podland. And in the first 12 hours, we've made 3,129 Satoshis. So I told the wife we were retiring until I found out that was the $1.72. And I'm assuming that's American, not Australian dollars, James. <laughs> so we're not. But the podcast value tag is quite interesting. Dave Jones and Adam use this term value for value, which is quite an interesting way of looking at it. It's the idea that you only pay from your Bitcoin wallet 
for the amount of time you listen to as opposed to a one-off payment. What do you think? Because I guess what you just said earlier, Matt, was that you're going to be downloading and paying your $7.99 or whatever it is for the podcast. Whether you listen to all of it or some of it or none of it, you're going to be paying for it if you're a subscriber. Whereas mm. I think Adam and Dave are saying, look, that's not really fair. Why don't you just pay for what you consume? What's- the concept's quite clever, isn't it? So you basically, you put some money on your podcast app in whatever form, digital currency or dollars or pounds or whatever. And based on your listening, some of that money gets allocated to the people that you listen to. And that's pre- that's cool. I go, that's, that's pretty cool. The challenge for all these things is how many apps support it? And the big three, Apple, Google, Spotify won't because it gets in the way of their own models. And so it stunts any opportunity for that to grow. And because not enough apps have it, not enough shows go on it and it, it withers a bit. And it's a shame because it is a good idea and it'd be nice for, for that, that to be more successful. In fact, you've made a dollar seventy-two. Probably this is from some smaller apps as well. I mean, just think if that was applied to the larger apps, that would be quite a significant chunk of change going your way it's ours now because obviously you're taking over from james so it's no problem <laughs> good maybe i'm more i'm more supportive of it Any, <laughs> i think anything that can transfer cash to creators is a good thing we're trying to keep it simple i think a lot of the bitcoin stuff and we might even get into nfts in a sec is hard for people to comprehend isn't it and and, and where the value is but as, as i mentioned we're going to see lots and lots of different ways for producers to, to make money i was thinking a gold rush it's the people selling the spades that make the real money it's the people who are making the product so Maybe there's a CMS to rule all CMSs that gets your subscription material into Spotify, Apple, Twitter Spaces to tag up your apps to get Satoshis and all the rest. Maybe that's what we should be concentrating our time on doing. I'm sure that's what James is doing right now, actually. <laughs> Just while listening to this, he's probably off running away, rolling up his sleeves and coding. Now, if you wanted to get into this payment mechanism, there is a service called satoshis.stream. And that's the service that James subscribed to. And you could submit your podcast there. There is another service which we have talked about in the past called Breeze that also supports the podcast value. It's a podcast player, both on iOS and thankfully for you and James, <laughs> Matt, on Android as well. It looks pretty good. It allows you to contribute using Bitcoin as you listen to your favorite podcasters and you'll find pod news there. James hasn't put Podland there yet. Again, he's slacking. But I think what we're seeing is, as you said rightly, all the other players are having to find a way of supporting podcast creators because they're not going to be allowed into the walled gardens of Apple and Mm. Spotify. The one player that we seem to not talk about is uh, our good friends Google. They seem to be laggarding around podcasts. And yes, they're indexing podcasts. But what else have you heard on the grapevine? Are they going to be making acquisitions? Are they going to bring out anything that makes podcasting much more ad-driven? Because that's really their game, isn't it? It's mm. to index, search, discover, and then supply ads. Anything that you've heard on the grapevine? So I, I was talking to someone at Google the other week, and there are some changes, I think, happening with the Google Podcast team and how they're managed and that's sort of going on in the background a bit and it's probably getting in the way of any announcements but i think they're, they're pushing on the value of the google podcast bit is obviously there is an app but the key thing is you appear in search and 
if you haven't registered your podcast on Google Podcast Manager, you should go and do that because it gives you some good insight into that search. You get to see a bit like if you're if you use Google Webmasters for your for your website, it does a similar thing where it shows you how many page views your podcast, how many mentions your podcast gets in Google search, and then how many people click through and which episodes they click through. One of the things that uh, I do, I run a, a kids radio network with lots of podcasts from called Fun Kids. And I was looking at our Fun Kids Science Weekly on Google Podcast Manager. And it was interesting seeing one of our episodes was doing very well click-through wise because it was talent driven. And obviously a lot of people were searching for that, that talent and then clicking through. And that's new consumption. Yeah, that's people who weren't subscribers, maybe wouldn't have found us normally and they found us that way. And maybe they do become a, a regular listener. So I, I think Google Podcast is, is third or fourth generally in, in the list of consumption destinations. Obviously, it's pre-installed in every Android phone. So there's probably more of it than you expect, and they don't really do the PR, so you don't really hear about it. But I would be brave to bet against Google doing well in this space. Uh, I think also talking to them, they are very algorithm-driven. They want the systems to be the app and to be the service. They don't want to go down a route of having individual humans picking shows for featuring and all of that side. And so I think they're continually working on how they come up with better algorithms that, that, that surface uh, the, the right content. And obviously, they back to social graphs, they know a lot about us, don't they? And when you go into that app, it should be pretty good in the same way that Google News is pretty good. At learning about you even though you don't really tell it much information directly a lot of the the podcast and news audio side is plugged into google news there's a lot of knowledge in there and there's probably more going on in there than we expect okay the last part we did mention one of the areas that i'm really interested in is nfts non-fungible tokens as a payment mechanism and one of the things that i have been looking at was the use of NFTs for payments for digital art, which I think is a little bit Emperor's New Clothes, when the internet really is the world's greatest photocopier. And if you want a digital photocopy of something, it's pretty much accurate. So NFTs really just give you a license to one example of a digital copy. But I was listening to a podcast with Scott Galloway and they had Raoul Paul on talking about how NFTs could be used for communities and how you as a podcast owner, I guess this goes back to the Kevin Kelly, A Thousand True Fans, which I love as a book. And the whole idea is if you could find A Thousand True Fans for your podcast and you could create a payment mechanism that they could reward you and you could reward them. And it seems that if you create an NFT token for your community, you could actually reward them for sharing it, listening further down. I will be talking to Dave and Adam about whether they would switch from Satoshis to NFTs next week, because I think it would allow you to pay value for value, just the amount in a token and allow you to then have those tokens within the community be reusable or shareable. Have you come across uses of NFT yet? So I think one of the ways to think about NFTs is that token word and there's a ledger which records who owns that token that sort of is persistent. And again, that as a concept is a good concept, isn't it? That's a different kind of way of, of recording some connection that someone might have to some digital thing. And I, I agree with you. I think the artwork stuff is a little bit, people are using it as an example of it. And by having 50 million pound 
stuff that, that, that gets sold. It just it teaches people about the concepts. I think having that's good. I think it, we're in that time where it's quite a hard sell to explain the value and, and, and the connection. I think also the systems that support these things obviously don't really exist at the moment. So I, I was reading uh, a tweet thread from someone who had bought a bit of a song, a kind of almost like mm-hmm. rights to a bit of a song. And he did it to demonstrate that actually he was buying a link to a URL and actually that URL might not exist in the future. And what's the mechanism to distribute money from that right? There isn't one yet. And what if they choose not to actually do anything anyway? Is there any recompense for him? No. So it's in the future. You could do a lot of stuff with it. In the present, it's all a bit theoretical. The best way I likened to it was you can buy shares in a company. Those shares can have a registration to you and have a value and those shares become tradable on an external stock exchange that has nothing to do with the day-to-day running of that company and in many ways nfts are a digital share that you can acquire in a digital asset that have a tokened value and that value can be traded external to that company podcast community whatever you want i think that's the nearest i've got as an analogy Mm. in my head so far no, that's a, a, a nice way to, to describe it. But also it's that thing of like in the shares and here historically with shares, things like the tulips back in the 20s and 30s. Oh, yes. and, and that's the danger, isn't it? Is that you create something that sits on top of it, a bit like the financial crash and people were sharing virtualized financial instruments that were notionally connected to mortgages, but were so just detached from it that it didn't really make sense anymore. So that's always, that's the worst, that's always the worst case danger, isn't it? And it's trying to find those day-to-day uses that people can understand. And, and you feel that actually, if I do want to buy the rights to a tweet because I get some value from that, or I want to buy, or I want to use it as a way to say I was early on something and that money went to somebody in the early days and now actually my foresight could now be tradable later on. I think those people who got into Bitcoin early are now laughing back at us. Mm. There you go. That's all I can say. Matt, thank you so much for being my co-host this week. Uh, Apart from the British Podcast Awards, remind people what the URL is and what else are you up to? So BritishPodcastAwards.com, all the information's on there. I do a weekly newsletter about audio and podcasts and music streaming that you can subscribe to for free. It's at MattDegan.com. And then my day job is I I do some audio projects and I, I run this kids radio station and, and network. I think that's the other bit that's, that I'm fascinated by is, is niches and you know, kids is a really interesting niche and kids audio is an interesting niche and what's different and what's the same about other sectors and I think you know, a lot of people listening to this are successful in their niches and learning what works in their niche and what works with audiences. And that's like a super fun thing to be able to do. Brilliant. This week, I'm finally on Adam Curry and Dave Jones podcast, the podcast index on the 2nd of April. So tomorrow, and I'll be discussing all the things we talked about today, value for value, NFTs. But I'm also going to be talking about a little idea that I have with Dave Jones about using that little known thing in RSS called trackbacks and pingbacks for podcast discovery. I firmly think that it's an underused piece of technology that's already in the RSS spec that I think we need to dig out, dust down and and reuse in today because 
discovery is the biggest challenge in podcasts. If there's 2 million, maybe 3 million clubhouse start recording, there could be 4 or 5 million. <laughs> so I think trackbacks and pingbacks got a bad name in the blogging world because people started to use them for spamming and filling people's comments with advertising. But my idea is that there has to be a way of being able to put a marker somewhere in the middle of the podcast, not chapters, but actually comment podcasts that says, oh, at this point while I was listening, I found that interesting. And then I can tweet it out or some other mechanism of alerting people to that singular point. And equally, someone can make a tweet with a track back that goes into your podcast comments. I think there's got to be a way of breaking up the one hour podcast into chunkable items that goes beyond chapters that people can put markers in for other friends to look for. I think it's interesting. I think there's a lot of opportunities over and above what's been the standard RSS feed. And the more apps that reflect those, the more likely that functionality will be will be used. Uh, so that's it for this week. If you've enjoyed your trip to Podland, you can come back again next time. You can follow the podcast on all major podcast players or visit the website podland.news. Thank you for listening. We know that there's over 2 million podcasts out there and many other podcasts that you could have listened to. So we're really grateful for your time. If you have any comments about anything on this show today, especially if you'd prefer Matt to James, <laughs> please send a voice comment to questions at podland.news or tweet us at podlandnews. And I suppose if you want daily news, you should get the Daily Pod News newsletter. It's free at podnews.net. And that's where you'll find the links for all the stories we mentioned this week. Happy April Fools. James will be back next week. The music's from Ignite Jingles. Uh, we recorded today with Squadcast FM. We edited with Descript Pro and we're hosted and sponsored by Buzzsprout. I will see you in Podland next week. And in the words of modern parlage, keep following. Thanks, Matt. Cool.